Well, hello, everybody. For Is this the fourth or third week we've done this, Miss Danielle? I think it's the fourth week. The fourth week. Uh, in session, I'm joined by, my name is Colin McGuire. I'm joined by the senior reporter here at the Frederick News Post, Danielle E. Gaines, who is camped out in Jigsaw's lair right now. <laughs> Uh, would you like to tell the people where you are? <laughs> sure. So in the past, I've talked to you from inside the pit, the reporter's office where I normally work, but it's Friday afternoon. We're a little rowdy in the pit on Friday afternoons. So I have found myself in a in an unfinished basement-type closet that's generally used by um, Maryland Public Television, I think for storage, but I'm back here working. <laughs> <laughs> for it storage. was very, very nice of them to give us the room. <laughs> you, you, you sent me a picture and it looks like, I mean, the over under on the amount of dead bodies in there is three and a half <laughs> and I'm taking the over. So, so that's good. And that, that's, uh, kind of apropos of everything that happened this week. Cause this week business picked up. It sure did. Yeah. And actually, while while I'm talking about MPT, I'm just going to do like a gratuitous promotion of myself. Um, yeah, I am. Later today, I'm going to be on um, Maryland Public Television's State Circle. So you can watch. Yeah. So you can watch that online or it'll be on TV tonight. What time? I think it's on at 730. 730? Set your this DVRs. Very, are you excited? I, I'm I'm excited. Is it is it more is it more prestigious to be on the podcast with Colin or with PBS? A Maryland Public Television. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. so that's good. I'm excited okay. for you. This is good. This Thanks. is exciting. This is Thanks. very exciting. So we want to jump right in. Yes. Um, I I want to ask you uh, about ethics, of course, because I was reading about everything that happened this week with with Michael Huff. Uh, I'm going to let you take it away because I've got a couple questions, but why don't you give us the lay of the land first? Okay, so the Cliff's Notes is that there was an ethics bill proposed by the um, county as part of their county legislative package. The bill itself was really um, dreamt up by the League of Women Voters and the county's ethics task force, and it... Um, under charter government, the way those types of legislative proposals come to Annapolis is they are introduced by the county executive and they receive approval from the county council. So the county executive was asking the delegation to introduce that measure as a delegation bill here in Annapolis. Um, the bill makes a change to the current campaign finance restrictions in um the county's ethics law, the part of the county's ethics law that's codified in state law. So it basically would extend a prohibition on campaign finance, um, on campaign donations to planning commission members who are seeking public office. The same prohibition already applies to county council members, but um, in many cases, planning commission members are considering the same types of cases before they reach the county council. So this would just be attempting to take some level of influence out of campaign finance in the county. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Michael Huff just kind of ran with this. <laughs> so when it first came up at the delegation meeting a few weeks ago in January, there were actually a number of members of the delegation who wondered 
if this was really going far enough, if this was fixing enough. The current prohibition only applies to um, certain land use and zoning decisions. So effectively, that only applies to um, people making donations from the building and um, you know construction trades, where it the same prohibition doesn't apply to um, other businesses who might be seeking you know a contract with the county or any number of other things. You know we know how county government impacts our lives. Those people would still be able to make a donation and not face the same uh, rules. So there was a question of how broadly to then apply that sort of prohibition to make it go further. And, and Senator Huff has introduced a bill that goes very far. Now, somebody, at least according to your story, took uh, exception to this throughout the week. There seemed to be some back and forth. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? So Senator Hupp's bill, it does go significantly farther. It requires campaign donations to be um, reported, anything over $500, anything to the county council um, within uh, 24 hours. That's a pretty quick turnaround. And it requires that um, any member of any county board or commission, so we're kind of extending down into the Commission for Women or the Affordable Housing Council, all different kinds of boards that are advisory only would have to step down when those members decide to seek public office. The final prohibition would stop any businesses with pending lo pending bids or applications in front of the county or anybody who's contracted or who works for the county from making campaign donations to people seeking county elected office. So. A few people took exceptions with some of those. They said it went too far. Um, you know, for example, telling county employees that they're not allowed to make campaign campaign donations to the candidates of their choice um, mm -hmm. might be viewed as going against the Supreme Court's decision in Citizens United, which said that um, you know campaign donations are free speech. So um, there's still a lot of questions, and they're not resolved. Jan Gardner seemed to be angry. No, she to be pretty <laughs> her, so her job as county executive is to put forward the county's legislative package and to defend it. This is part of the county's legislative package. Um, mm -hmm. The way that this went through, um, you know, Delegate Krim has indicated she's not happy with Delegate Karen Lewis Young, Senator Young. They all talked about it today during the delegation meeting, which is that, you know, this bill came from the county in December and it's just now February and we're just now voting on it. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, Senator Huff's bill came about, um, uh, the broad ideas for it came about last week. The actual bill came about this week and mm -hmm. that's just not enough time for consideration. So a number of democratic members of the delegation had asked if they could vote on the county executive's bill first before voting on Senator Huff's bill. That's not the order the delegation ended up voting on today and and the delegation is not moving forward as of today with the bill that was part of the county's legislative package they are moving forward with the bill that is part of senator huff's package oh or really? senator huff's so that, bill. Oh, wow so that and that just happened a few hours ago yeah at their meeting this morning uh-huh so how did that how did people respond to that did that ruffle feathers it did. So the votes were uh, five to three on both counts. Ooh. So five to three to support Senator Huff's proposal, five to three not to support the county, the county's original bill. Um, mm -hmm. And mm. 
Uh, it's unclear. Uh, you know, Senator Huff had already introduced his bill without the delegation tag. So what will happen now is that his bill will become a delegation bill. It will be amended to reflect that a majority of the Frederick County delegation supports it. Um, mm. And then it's unclear. Somebody could decide to independently drop the other bill that the county was originally seeking. I'm not sure if that's going to happen yet. Um mm. Delegation bills in Annapolis are generally given broad deference. So if something's introduced as a delegation bill, um, lawmakers view it as a local courtesy to go ahead and pass that measure. Um, it affects only the county that the delegation is sponsoring. And um, it's, you know, believed to be a respect for local control. But when delegation bills are contested, that kind of changes everything up so we had contested delegation bills last year that just died in committee they went nowhere so it's really unclear what might happen this session huh so there this thing is not over oh definitely not i mean this is this <laughs> <laughs> this was um really truly just a discussion about how to introduce these bills so they yeah. will still have yeah. their bill hearings and committees um and it'll all go from there huh well, that's interesting, though. That that's so we're gonna for the next. Well, this is the fourth. What do we have? Seventy more days? Sixty more days? Oh, I counted yesterday, and mm -hmm. I forgot. Uh, somewhere between sixty and seventy. We'll 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 take it, and we're gonna be focused. I mean, every week we end up talking about ethics, which is interesting. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the this is the year of ethics because nobody has any. Darn it. Uh, I also have to ask if they passed a Bill Green because that's the running joke each week. Bill Green. I don't, Colin, I don't even know if people listening to this know who Bill Green is. <laughs> I know, and I'm constantly told not to make that joke, which will only make me keep okay. making it. There was a uh, State of the State this week, big deal, right? Um, oh, yeah, State of the State, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big deal. You, state of the State's <laughs> a fun day in Annapolis. <laughs> Um, so the governor, you know, he gave his address. There were lots of people on hand. Um, County Executive Gardner came down. Um, the House, the Senate, they all get together in the same House chamber, and it's very lively and exciting. Uh, optimistic tone, you wrote? Uh, the governor did, he did strike an upbeat tone. He really was trying to focus on things that could be passed, things that could get done this year. He, in a, a fairly short speech, in 25 minutes, he rattled off numerous um, policy priorities that his office has this year. They have, uh, I think, 32 policy priorities. And Oof. most, if not all, got mentioned during the state of the state. So um, he talked a lot about working together. He talked a lot about, um, uh, you know, where people could see eye to eye and that compromise is necessary in a divided government. Are, are there any priorities that stick out to you? He spoke a lot about um, some ideas that are originally from Democrats in, in the state house. So he talked mm -hmm. about um, paid sick leave. He talked about various environmental protections. He talked about college affordability mm -hmm. and these are all his take on popular democratic ideas so they aren't exactly embraced by the democratic majority down here in annapolis so it'll be interesting to see um how far either side might go on those types of those types of bills the word that two separate people 
used in describing it in your story was masterful. Masterful, yeah. And that <laughs> <What>? was unprovoked. <laughs> I was going to say, is this something that is constantly said in Annapolis? Masterful? It's it's really not, which is why it stood out to me, which is why it was in the article. Um, you know, I stopped <laughs> Senator Huff outside of uh, the, state, the state address in the hallway, and I said, well, what did you think? And he just said, I thought it was masterful. And he talked about... Um, how Governor Hogan is using ideas that are popular with the Democratic base and turning them into ideas that are um, acceptable by people in his base and mm -hmm. trying to, um, you know, force movement in a different direction on ideas that Democrats already say that they um, appreciate and approve of. So, um, you know, some of those things have already been kind of panned by Democrats in the General Assembly. I know somebody called his environmental package lukewarm at best. Um, so it's it's interesting, though, because he can be a Republican governor in a deep blue state, stand up and talk about paid sick leave and working families and college affordabilities and um, issues like that. And the Senate president also said it was masterful and he, he meant it in much yeah. the same way. Um, but he, I think he meant a little bit that it was, um, some very carefully chosen words. So you could write a tight rope, walk a tight tightrope, um, with your language and maybe not be technically wrong, but maybe kind of, um, fudge the edges a little bit. Is it, he see, he seems to be I, I just I want to get your thoughts on this. He seems to be liked, you know, I mean, for a Republican a governor in, in a in a Democrat, a by and large Democratic state. I mean, everybody I, I, I read nothing but sort of good things about him from both sides of the aisle. Um, do you you find a lot of resistance to him from the left side? Well, I think. Everyone down here, no matter where they are politically, does generally try to like one another and see one another, you know, as individuals first and as party later. You have to remember all these people got elected. So somewhere, you know, yeah. thousands of people liked them. So they're yeah. likable people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Good point. Yes. <laughs> so they, um, you know, get along where they can. But there, there is some... Um, democratic resistance to certain things that the governor does so he really mm -hmm. does um, apply a lot of slogans to things or he nicknames bills that he doesn't like um you know him and obviously his his office his whole administration um mm -hmm. and and people just think that you can't really talk about um being bipartisan and working together when you do you know a nickname on a bill that tries to paint you know uh, everyone who opposes yeah. you with a broad brush that's interesting, yeah. So okay. I, I wrote in the State of the State article, I did write about a couple of those, the um, roadkill bill, which I was is just going to ask debate. you about that. Yes, because yes. in, in your story, you said Hogan continued to call for a repeal of the roadkill bill, uh, one of the thornier partisan issues facing lawmakers in Annapolis this year. Question number one is, what is the roadkill bill? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so that bill is the Maryland Open Transportation Decision Act of 2016. And that's wow. a bill that I think we've talked about before on here. It's a measure that was introduced by Democrats with the backing of the Democratic leadership. And it basically requires um, the governor's office to look at numerous criteria and things like, you know, environmental concerns and traffic studies yeah. and all sorts mm -hmm. of things and rate projects throughout the state. 
And then based on those ratings, those projects get ranked. So mm -hmm. when this first came up, there was a lot of resistance right away. Um, uh, Democrats said that it would just make things free and fair and open. And the governor does have the authority in the bill to rank to fund things outside of their ranking. He just has to give a written explanation as to why he chose to step outside the rankings. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of the Democratic take on it. It just, you know, forces consideration of n numerous things, including one of the sticking points is that one of the considerations is the number of people each project will impact. So that's mm -hmm. where the rural counties, who are mostly represented by Republicans, mm -hmm. um, start to have an issue because they say, that ranking system will always put transit projects, major highways, um, you know, the metro system or things like that higher ranked than anything mm. in their counties. So how do you get so is roadkill bill is that it's essentially saying we don't want to work on roads? So the governor's <laughs> office did a sample ranking of the um, current transportation projects in the state over the summer and uh -huh. it ended up showing that it, indeed most projects get killed for favor uh -huh. of a couple of big ones in a couple of jurisdictions so uh -huh. there was a sample letter that went out to each county showing how much money they would get and most counties i wrote about got a letter that said zero of zero of your transportation projects will be funded. You will receive wow. zero dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, of course, people um, who supported the bill initially say that that's just politics. Uh -huh. So roadkill, that's a clever name. That's a clever yes. name. Clever and then name. also uh, this week we talked about the sunshine tax, but we might have to talk about that another day. Yes, because I, I, you have to get back to your saw, your jigsaw puzzle. Because you're in the saw man's lair. Uh, one of the things that came out of the state of the state uh, this week also was we always love talking about this gerrymandering. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so can you talk a little about that? Sure. So um, a nonpartisan redistricting commission is again a part of the governor's legislative package this year. It has been a part of his le his legislative package since he took office and. Um, it's something that just hasn't moved anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> there were some real efforts last year, including one that m seemed like it might actually take off, which was a bill from um, now Congressman Jamie Raskin, who now represents the 8th District, which is, um, I guess, you know, many people would say a gerrymandered district. So... Mm. Um, his bill would have required Maryland and Virginia to get together and pass the Potomac Compact. And that would have had um, Maryland, which is gerrymandered in favor of Democrats, and Virginia, which is gerrymandered in favor of Republicans, change mm -hmm. their congressional district maps at the same time so that the balance of overall power in Washington, D.C. wouldn't be affected as much. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, a lot of states will recognize that a lot of people want redistricting reform, but they don't want to be the first one to go. They don't want to lose mm -hmm. their Republican seat that they have. They don't want to lose their Democratic seat that they have. Mm -hmm. um, alas, you know, that didn't really actually take off last year. Um, that's not in the governor's proposal. Um, 
And so after State of the State, some of the legislative leaders were talking about gerrymandering. Um, Senate President Mike Miller said that he is open to a multi-state agreement that would lead to redistricting. But otherwise, he just doesn't want Maryland to go first. Well, what is this uh, about a lawsuit that, that I that I keep seeing, too, that I keep reading about? And it says that Miller and Bush must must testify and turn over documents in a redistricting case. Yes. So there is a pending lawsuit in U.S. District Court in Baltimore regarding the um, 2012 redistricting map for the state of Maryland. And that's the map that changed the 6th District to um, be a more competitive district. As you know, we had um, former Congressman Roscoe Bartlett for yes. many numbers of years, um, a Republican yep. representative, and now we have a Democratic representative. And mm-hmm. um, the district does lean Democrat at this point. Um, mm-hmm. So that lawsuit uh, has been pending for a number of years. It's kind of gone up and down through the appellate system. And um, right now what's going on is the discovery process. So people um, who are trying to understand whether or not this instance of partisan gerrymandering is illegal are wanting to get access to the legislative record, to um, deliberations that were being had, to you know, how the lines were decided. And so to do that, they wanted to, um, you know, interview or have testify a number of lawmakers in Annapolis, including um, Senate President Mike Miller and House Speaker Michael Bush. And they filed in court to have that done. Um, the Senate President and the House Speaker tried to um, keep that from happening. But the judge did rule this week that they and a lot of others will have to testify on this. And when will they when will they testify? Do we know? I'm not exactly um, clear on that at this point in time, but um, I was there for the oral arguments in the case um, Mm -hmm. last year. And certainly whenever there's a hearing, I'll be there. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. It could be be a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And something I love talking about each week always everybody go out and read Danielle E. Gaines's political notes column every Friday. Your life will be better for it, okay? (laughs) Every day. Your life will be better for it. And I want to talk about what you led with this week. It really is. It really is my favorite favorite thing in the whole paper. Uh, To film or not to film. And there's this idea that that you're not allowed to, uh, I believe a reporter, this is going off the top of my head, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a reporter came in and started to video some of the stuff and then uh, got shut down even though this has happened before and it's supposed to be okay. So why don't you take it from there? So this is my friend Brian Sears. He sits near to me in the pit and he has covered the General Assembly for 15 years and he um, took out his camera and started recording um, from the Senate floor. It's something he does Frequently, if you like Maryland politics, you should definitely go follow his Facebook page because you'll see a lot of fun videos and updates throughout the day. Um, but Senator Paul Pinsky was um, speaking very passionately on the floor re- regarding um, President Donald Trump, and um, Brian took out his camera to record it. And Brian has taken out his camera to record other things so far this year, and for whatever reason, in this particular instance, the Senate president took notice and um, just reminded the chamber that you're not allowed to take photos and videos. Um, so hmm. that has led to 
um, everyone discovering perhaps that Senate Rule 10E states that cameras, recording instruments, and similar electronic equipment or devices are not allowed in the Senate chamber without the permission of the president. See now, so, where, and that where we. That, I'm that sorry. rule also says that once permission is given, the president is sh- shall notify the senators. Now, weren't we recently talking about Facebook living all this? So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, how does this play Maybe into that? That makes no live. sense to me. Um, so another one of the governor's priorities this year is to require live streaming of all of the floor sessions of the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were talking about. Right now, you can go online okay. and you can listen to them on audio. That's um, right. We talked yes. about how it's difficult because you can't understand who's talking. Um, mm-hmm. And good this, man. <laughs> and this would help, so you'd be able to see the floor. You can see what's in action. Um, and that's one of his legislative priorities. So um, having you know the camera privileges from reporters kind of changed at the same time as this broader debate is going on has been very interesting. So in the past few mm-hmm. days, as we come into the Senate chamber, um, reporters have just been asking, I may take photos or videos today. Is that OK? Um, mm-hmm. And we've been getting permission. And the Senate president says he'll continue to give permission. Um, but we still have to ask. And he has been notifying people when we are taking video now, or may I take underst- video may take video as i understood it um somebody was saying and i can't remember who forgive me but they were saying that if you film stuff on the floor then he could just see that in two years or four years there could be a clip that could be used for somebody to run against him that could be pulled out of whatever they uh whatever they record is that a sentiment that you feel is is shared by a lot of people in Annapolis, like they are sort of self-conscious and they need to watch what they say because they're being filmed. <laughs> you know, I'm not positive. Um, if anybody really did want to make, you know, um, a nasty campaign ad about you, uh, they would be able to just pull the audio and, you know, take a photo of you and Photoshop it to make you look very menacing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there is an added layer of concern when there's video and it, and it was, um, the Senate president also who had that concern. He was just saying, okay. you know, you allow video, but it doesn't help improve the context, I think was kind of the point that he was making. You know, even mm-hmm. if you allow video, it doesn't mean that somebody's going to use the whole part of your quote. And, and that was certainly not his allegation in this case, but, um, you know, that <laughs> yeah. anybody can just kind of take it and use it then. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's really interesting. Somebody's going to start a campaign against this podcast and chop up some audio. <laughs> so it, it was. Oh, go ahead. Well, so this also started a discussion at the um, county delegation level. I don't know if that's what you were going to ask, but um, the county delegation meetings can be very exciting. Um, yes. And yeah. <laughs> uh, eventful. You can read some of my tweets from this morning if you need confirmation. And um, (laughs) there was a request to have the delegation meetings um, videotaped and live streamed. And Mm -hmm. that actually had, you know, some bipartisan consensus. So uh, (laughs) the problem there is just the room that the delegation meets in is not conducive to that. You know, there's not equipment that's owned to make that happen. Um, 
but it is a conversation that has started. And so since the conversation started at the delegation meeting this morning, there were three people taking video, including Ooh. at least two who were live streaming. So that <laughs> might be something that you guys can set your alarms, you know, to wake up early on Friday morning and, yeah. and watch. That, that'll be a lot of fun. You can <laughs> listen to this podcast and I guess this goes out later in the day. Uh, it was Frederick Day in Annapolis. Yes. How I, I just have one question about this, which is, what is Frederick Day like in Annapolis? Is it's it just fun. like everybody talks about <laughs> Volt? Everybody says, let's go to Carroll Creek Amphitheater? Like, how does this work? So there's, you know, a reception room um, reserved, and lawmakers are invited to come and stop by. Um, pretty much a lot of counties and a lot of towns and cities do this. And so they generally do it during the day. You have food to offer lawmakers, usually, you know. Pastrami? Um, there was, what was there this year? I don't take it, so I usually don't pay attention. But um, oh. there was Maryland crab soup and I think cream of potato soup. So that seemed very tasty. And then there are like sandwiches. And um, Frederick always kind of goes out of their way to include local ingredients. So there's usually some McCutcheon's apple butter in there. There's, ah. um, well, I think there's Old Bay everywhere. Oh, I was going to say, that's <laughs> not a Frederick thing. Uh, yeah, Old Bay is not Frederick, but I'm pretty sure it's got to be in the food at all of the days um, that people celebrate in Annapolis. So it's just a day people come in, the lawmakers kind of make a quick round, get their food. Um, you know, city officials will tell them what they hope they'll support in the budget. And that's how it goes. And then finally, Ron Young is a member of the Women's Caucus. Yeah, so Ron Young is technically the first senator to join the Women's Caucus. And Woo. he did that uh, last week. He did that last week. Uh, yes. But there was also, he's the for first man to join as a senator. Uh, it, the, as you wrote, his claim to fame is not as clear cut as it was initially believed to be. Sure. So there was a tweet that went out from the Women's Caucus, which said that he was the first senator. So I went to interview him about that. And he's like, well, yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> senator Will Smith from Montgomery County is a new senator. He was sworn in just before the start of this session. He takes um, former state senator Jamie Raskin's seat in that chamber. Mm. Will Smith used to be a delegate in the House of Delegates. He became a member of the Women's Caucus when he was a delegate. So he's uh -huh. kind of graduated to uh -huh. be a Senate member of the Women's Caucus. And he's also a member of the unofficial Camel Caucus, which is <laughs> a group <laughs> yeah. of lawmakers who wear camel hair coats on Thursdays. What's that about? That is just straight up for fun, Colin. You got to kind of break up the weeks a little bit. Uh, I, uh, in the 1990s, a bunch of guys showed up one day. They were all wearing camel hair. It was a Thursday. <laughs> they did it the next Thursday, and they did it the next Thursday, and the next Thursday, oh, and here we are. so great. When you come <laughs> back to Frederick, we're going to buy you a camel hair coat. Well, that's no, there, I learned yesterday there's a different caucus that I would want to be a part of. It's the Leopard Caucus, and that is apparently oh. on Tuesdays. So oh, I wasn't okay. paying attention this Tuesday because I didn't know about it, but next Tuesday I'm going to pay close attention, and I can give you an update. That would be great. And I'm so glad you said that. What else do you think we'll be able to talk about next week? What's on the horizon? Oh, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> oh, that's, that's uh, good. Well, the, the bill filing deadlines are next week. So the Senate officially will stop accepting bills on Monday. The House will officially stop accepting. Well, that's false. But um, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> the informal bill deadline dates are next week. The um, Senate will stop accepting bills without additional hurdles that they have to clear on Monday. The House will do the same on Friday. So there will be a whole lot of bills probably that we can talk about in the Senate today. The president said that they have about 700 bills right now, which is about 400 bills shy of what they usually anticipate. So today, mm. tomorrow, there's going to be a lot more stuff coming across the desk. Really? Is it going to be a busy week next week, you think, for you? Yes, absolutely. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Well, we, will we talk about ethics? <laughs> we may talk about ethics. We'll see. <laughs> and then I have to ask you this, as I do every week, Danielle, what was the best meal? What did oh. you have this week in Annapolis? Um, I brought lunch. My, uh, my husband made me lovely minestrone soup, and I've been oh. eating that all week. That's good. Do you get to, are, is your day done? We're taping later than normal right now. Are you, are you kind of done today? Oh, not, not in the slightest, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I was hoping that I was, oh, well, you would, you do have to be on Maryland public television, I guess. So. I do. Yeah. We will let you go prepare for that. Thank you, Danielle E. Gaines. You can read her stuff in the Frederick News Post again. We love talking to you. We'll do this again next week. Thanks, Colin. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. In Session is produced by Graham Cullen and Chris Sands. A special thanks goes to Kelsey Luce for composing our theme. Be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you can stay current with all the developments in Annapolis this session.